Hi, everybody. I am Mike Westendorf, the host of Great Questions, Great Conversations, and we want to welcome you to the podcast here this week. Uh, two of my good friends, Pastor Pete Panitsky and this is Steph Minister Paul Schusler. Uh, but honestly, we're just regular guys that have a passion for Jesus and helping people connect more deeply because, man, we are in need of being connected more deeply in the world that we live in. So I'm just going to say a real quick good morning or good afternoon or just shout out. Hello, Pete. How you doing? Hello. I am doing very well. I, I, it's got to be well because Jesus is risen. Amen. That's I like my, that. That's my standard answer. Jesus right. is risen. It's got to be great. <laughs> Paul, can you top that one? How you doing, man? He is risen indeed. I know it's a little bit early, but that's okay. Thanks for leading <laughs> with that, Pete. Amen. Yeah, it's always a great day with Jesus in the mix. Yeah. You got it. That's awesome. Good to see um, you guys. Thanks for having me, Mike. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that uh, is coming up for us um, in our church ministry, but actually, which is part, something is big part of the cultural DNA of our church and something that's still kind of relatively new in terms of the way that we talk about it and the way that we implement ministry around it. But that's the idea of the family church. And uh, um, there's a couple of different ways to look at it um, from the family church, biological and the functional family. And we did a sermon series I think it's now five, six years ago. Uh, mm -hmm. The original content is actually still up on our uh, St. Paul's website, which I'll link to that in the show notes. But uh, Pete, when we five, six years ago went through this, I thought that there was a really good distinction that you brought to helping people understand family church uh, and you know that biological and that functional. That was a big aha for me. So I'd, I wonder if for the listeners, if you might be able to just tell us a little bit about family church and that functional and biological idea. Yeah, th thanks, Mike. Um, so as we talked about it, we, the whole idea of the family church starts with, you know, mom, dad, you're called to be the spiritual leaders, the pastors of your family, that the your family uh, if you have kids in the house, uh, that that's the smallest grouping of the church. And the, if that part of the church is healthy, that will help the rest of the church get healthy. But as we're working, as, as we're thinking about this to preach on it, we're kind of going, well, wait a second. What about the rest of us who don't have kids in the household anymore or, uh, you know, brothers and sisters in Christ who are single and uh, or haven't had kids yet? Uh, and that's when we started as a team, just talking about, well, we all have people that are are part of our family. Uh, you know, Joni and I are watching some of the Friends reruns, right? <laughs> and and that's a functional family that you see. Uh, uh, not Friends, uh, Seinfeld. You know, uh, well, Friends works too. For, yeah, Friends works too. Yeah. Uh, but you know, there, there there's this functional family. So who who are the people that you have? connection with an influence and that might be uh your group of friends it might be your group of co-workers uh it might be your neighbors you know who do you who do you have some kind of oh we we have this connection sometimes it's stronger and sometimes it's less but we all have some place where we have influence people are looking to us to be as Christians the spiritual leader the the pastor you know, are one of the pastors in this group of individuals. And, and that was the, to me, that was the key thing that just exploded this idea and said, okay, 
we can we can talk about this from the pulpit because we're not excluding anybody. We all are part of a family, and sometimes the focus will be more on this functional family than a biological family. Yeah, I'm going to bring you into this in a second here, Paul. Just um, just to give you guys just a, a real quick definition. When, when Pete mentioned that moms and dads, you're the pastor, the way I love to think about it is that when two people in Jesus, again, church is a is a Christian idea, Christian term. It's the ecclesia, the gathering of God's people together. But when a man and a woman come together, they come as individuals with unique gifts and unique giftings and strengths and weaknesses and needs. And as they come together in Jesus, that's the smallest example of a of the the, of the body of Christ. Two people coming together to run after the will of God in their life. And if a child comes into that mix, a child's first experience with what it means to be in the church is in that family. And so this is one of those realities for all of us as parents, Christian parents in particular. It's not whether or not you think you are or you agree with this idea. The reality is you are an influencer and a leader in your families, in your children's lives, and their experience with the church, i.e. God's family, is oftentimes influenced by that. And so that to me makes me afraid. That's why I stayed away from this because, man, if you, I don't want, uh, I'm not a pastor. Pete, you're a pastor. You went to school for that. It's way easier to just say, well, no, no, you're the pastor. And yet you get me and my family for an hour a week and my family gets me way many more hours. And so, yeah, it, it, the child's first experience with a church is actually in the home. And so it begged the question, what does, what is church look like? What does worship look like? What does ministry look like? And we'll get into that stuff later. Well, I was just going to try to pull, you know, to, to pull Paul into this because we just were talking earlier today as a team about how important, uh, you know, parents are. So Paul, you're, you're making these visits to uh, parents who are, kids are coming into confirmation class and helping them understand. Uh, to me, you know, those visits are really helping parents go understand you are far more influential than any of us here on staff will be. And, and I, I just thought maybe this would be a chance for Paul to just talk about that a little bit. Oh, sure. Thanks. Thanks, Pete. Um, yeah, so we, we it, it, kind of a new process with me being on board here. We we decided to just meet with everybody on an individual basis as the kids were coming in to just see how things are going, you know, like what, what is, what does family life look like for you guys? And how, how is, how is your relationship with Jesus as a family, right? Because I'm going to be it's myself and Pastor Nate and and Staff Minister Fink, you know, we're we're teaching the kids for three years about Jesus, and in we get one hour a week to share God's truth with them and model that. But mom and dad have seven twenty four hour periods to <laughs> reinforce and influence their kids. So, you know, we we the 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 philosophical shift or design of the program was just to say, you know, how, how, how can we invite you into this process and make it so that when the, when the kids leave, basically what we're doing is we're, we're handing this back to you guys to spend time around God's word and the teaching and reinforce that. So 
what is it what does it look like for you guys to talk about it at home where can you talk about it at home and you know the the i always, I always give the kids a math question to figure this out and, and most of them hit it dead on it's a uh, you so you get this is all in preparation for your class you get 10 minutes a day for seven days a week or you get uh, two hours the day before class <laughs> and and that's all you get. And so I have the kids do a math question. How many minutes total is seven days, you know, 10 minutes a day for seven days. They all get that. How many minutes is two hours? They all get that. And I was like, okay, so 70 minutes, 120 minutes, which one sounds better and more is going to be more beneficial for you learning God's word. And they kind of look at me like, you know, they suspect it's a trick question. And they're like, some of the kids will be like, it's 70 minutes. And I'm like, well, hold on. That's, that's way less time. And all the parents are looking at the kid, like, we know this answer, you know, which is great. And I'm, so I'm like, yes, you're right. That is the answer, which seems strange, right? Less time is better than more time. And I'm like, so can you figure out why? And all, all the kids come to the, to the right solution. You know, we're, we're doing it every day. And so that's the mystery that I try and, and help the parents through is, you know, just a little bit every day where you're gathering on God's word and your kids are seeing you prioritize that is so beneficial just as a life habit. They get to see you doing it, modeling that. And then they learn that it's a priority through watching you every single day, right? So it's been a lot of fun. And it's just it's just great to talk to parents and the kids about how things are going, where they're at, you know, what's what what is a struggle? What's not a struggle? And then just working to to all be together, you know, at really as God's family in this process is the goal. So yeah, it's it's been a, a really enjoyable, insightful process. One of the things that I'd like to do is um especially early in, in this space, I want to give a little bit of definition to the two groups that we're going to talk about. So one of the things that we want to do in the next, you know, maybe part of this podcast, but the next one as well, is just talk about the equippings. But the second group of people in this functional um, family is probably where I want to spend a little bit more time today. Um, the idea of we all need people. And this ultimately is I think where where I'd like to camp for this podcast and we're going to jump back more to the family and how do we equip and things of that nature to the next one. Um, Pete, we were uh, at the Global Leadership Summit um, last week and there was a stat that was pretty telling in there um, about loneliness and uh, maybe talk a little bit about some of what you took out of that and we can kind of share on that. And Paul, I'm going to be coming to you to talk about small groups after that. So well, Liz Bohannon talked about uh, uh, that a study was done that 58% of the general population in our country uh, recognizes loneliness, that I just feel like I'm facing life all alone. Loneliness is a major problem for them, 58%. And, you know, to kind of put that into perspective, you know, she showed a graph with other countries and, and like Ghana in Africa, only 15%, you know, mm -hmm. struggle with loneliness. And, and then she talked about how, you know, our whole society is structured to, to make us lonely. Mm -hmm. uh, our houses are farther apart. Uh, we, we, you know, 
nobody interacts over the backyard fence. Uh, we have our bat cave garages that we you hit the, the garage door opener and you zoom into your garage and you don't have to interact with anybody. Um, and then she said some, that something that was, I think, really telling was that three uh, um, uh, cell phones, we would on average spend six and a half hours with friends in person. And now that's down, even even with our friends, down to two hours. I couldn't believe that. Yeah. Yeah. So so that it's like wow. That's so fifty eight percent of the general population. So that that blew me away. And then she said, and in the younger generation, the Gen Zs, seventy eight percent. You use the term epidemic, and I think she did too. Mm -hmm. Just. This is an issue that, as as God's church, we we, we got to care about. You know that there are people who are just there's no place to turn, and boy, when you're all alone, Satan can have a field day on you. Yeah, and, you know. So this is a spiritual issue too. I, I and I was going to ask you know, as this is a pastor, and and you know, Paul and I'll, I'll jump in, but maybe you know, in the years that you've been a pastor, what? What happens to people from a spiritual standpoint when they're alone? Well, uh, maybe a couple approaches to that. First of all, you know, a lot of times early on in my ministry, I was I was afraid when somebody would call call me up and say, "Pastor, can I come and talk to you?" Because I thought they were coming to 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 get my wise wisdom, you know, and 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 come down from a, an answer from on high. It's like <laughs> you got problems that I don't have a solution for. And uh, gradually, I realized, oh no, uh, most people are coming to talk to me as a pastor because they just need somebody to talk to. Mm -hmm. You know that that they don't. We don't have close friends, and so. They're not seeking my great theological knowledge. They're they're seeking somebody who just is willing to listen. So I think that that's part of that. But then, what happens? Um, you know, I, I like to talk about the recording in your head. Yeah. You know, I tell people I don't hear voices. Don't get me wrong, I don't <laughs> hear voices, but I kind of have these recordings in my head that I say to myself over and over again, uh, and. If you don't have anybody else in your life, it's really hard to break that cycle to say, you know, Jesus isn't talking to you in the in that voice in your head. That's that's Satan's uh dark and you know dangerous things. Uh so that to me is that the spiritual issue is you need a fellow Christian uh to just say, hey. Cut yourself some slack and let Jesus talk to you rather than all the negative stuff that you hear. Well, you're more of a you're even more of a people person, at least in my observation, than than I am. You're good with being around people. Um, uh, what what's your sense in terms of the risk for people when they're alone? Well, yeah, I mean, everything you identified, Pete, is 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 really plays itself out um you know you've you've got your 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 thoughts which a lot of times can just by default of our sinful nature revert to always the worst outcome 
And when that gets mm-hmm. repeated enough, you start to really listen and believe it, you know? And uh, last year at the Global Leadership Summit, just because he was such a funny guy, but uh, John Acuff, you know, wrote that book oh, called yeah. Soundtracks. And he's yep. like, you just got, you got to play a new song for yourself and learn to repeat that song because, you know, the devil's going to be lying to you all the time. He wants you to listen to that junk because it just takes you away from God's truth. And, you know, it's, it, it, and you said, you've got to have, you've got to have Christians or, well, it just pe- people in general to dialogue with. But if, if they're believers, they're going to reinforce God's truth in your life and, and give you really the the perspective that matters most, right? Which is the one that we can't see looking at the outside that we're, we're, we're God's children and God made us in his image. And we have to always, I, you forget it all the time, you know, the, the stuff that's going on out there that, that we're facing and dealing with and wrestling with. A lot of times it's it's easy to forget that, you know, and it, it kind of slides down to the bottom. And when you when you're not reminded of it, it 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 disappears. And so you know, you know, Paul, you know, if I could jump jump in real yeah, quick, yeah. that um you know what you were talking about there. there I mean, there there's one thing to have uh people in your life that you can dialogue with. I, I appreciated that, but that that from a Christian standpoint, one of the greatest things that we could be to one another, but oftentimes aren't, um, it's the place for intimacy. I, I, in my work with young adults, that's the thing that I keep seeing more and more. And and now they brought it to my attention just because I was doing so much work with them, but this desire to, uh, I love that word intimacy into me. See, you know, I, I, I want Mm. you to see me. Mm-hmm. I want to be seen as me, not some thing facade that I've got to put on. And and yet I don't want to stop there. Ultimately, I also want to see into you. And that requires vulnerability. And um I, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's just it's just the way that it's been because people are people, but sometimes I've been so, a little bit surprised um that sometimes be- it's hard as a Christian to get into that space. Uh, I've seen young people wanting it more than older people. And yet without intimacy, I, I have a feeling that you can be around people and dialogue with people, but still be lonely without real vulnerability and intimacy. Is, is that true in your observations? Well, I, yeah, I think so. I, you know, I think we always, we, you know, church is the best example, right? We always step in for what anybody can fake it for an hour, right? You put your best foot forward and everything's okay. And in reality, you know, world might be crashing for whatever reason, but we always, you, you kind of learn through, you know, our, our experience in society to, to pull yourself up by your bootstraps, which is, you know, a lie of the devil. And, and a very American, it's a very American culture it, thing, isn't it? it, it it is indeed. Yeah. You, you, you need to fix yourself. You need to take care of whatever's going on. And, you know, the, the devil's very creative at how he spins that message. But, you know, the ultimate goal is that we, we would just hide, you know, whatever's going on. And it's hard, you know, because we, to, to, to open yourself up to people, you know, and, and feel comfortable that you're not going to be ostracized because, oh, 
you've got that problem. So you're the problem. <laughs> Go away, right? You're not welcome right. here. You know, and sometimes inadvertently we communicate that without meaning to, and to, to really be a, a healthy, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm guilty of that where I, you know, with, with my kids, I wear this face and my wife is like, you should see your face, you know? And I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, you like, you're saying something with your look that is not helping the situation. Right. Yeah. And, and so I, you know, it's just, learning to to talk through that stuff honestly and openly too and then us as is is christians especially you know pastor pete you could you, you probably laugh at this but be being able to just say you know it's okay whatever whatever you gotta tell it's okay let it out right you know because it's a lot easier to work with once it's out on the table you know we have something to to actually deal with you know and we can talk through it and and then We'll, we'll just remind yeah. ourselves of the truth, right? That I, anyway, so. Given, right. That'd be praised. Challenge each other to be Excuse more me. open to it. Uh, you know, you guys know this, that the, the hospital, or sorry, the, the church is, like Pete, you can correct me, but the church is supposed to be uh hospital for, I love to say that you know could could the, could the church be a hospital for the 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 sin sick in the community, which all of us are, and that's why the church is built on the gospel, the means of grace, because right. it's the only place where the surgery that needs to be done to the human heart is yeah. done, and yet people don't go to the hospital first typically they don't go to the emergency room unless it's a real emergency, and oftentimes we will see people come. <laughs> Pete, correct me if I'm wrong, but. Sometimes, you know, somebody who's been a, a, a person involved in church a little bit all of a sudden disappears for years at a time. And the next time we see him is when the next crisis emergency comes. And yet in the real world, most of us don't go to the hospital. We go to the clinic. We go to a, a little medical place or we go get a checkup. And that's kind of that that prayer. Could the Big C Church be the hospital for the community, but could my family church be the clinic in my neighborhood? And so, Pete, I want to go back to the idea of this intimacy piece. Um, what... I just Before you just you'd asked, can people be lonely among people? Yeah. I think that is where loneliness is the worst. Yeah. You are most often most lonely when you are around other people and you don't have any connection with them and it just seems like everybody else has got you know like paul said everybody else has got their life all together during this hour at church and i am so lonely because so so just i i think that's just important to acknowledge that if you feel that way join the club that's the rest of us very often it's in a big you know when there's lots of people around or a few people around and you just don't feel like you're part of the group Man, that's a lonely place. Yeah. So Pete, coming coming off that, you know, idea of being lonely in the crowd, where where have you seen the church uh, succeed at stepping in, and where have we failed? I mean, you've been around church professionally a lot longer than I have. Uh, I've I've felt and seen some of these things, but I never knew like. I, I'm not sure why we're not better at this. 
uh, in the church sometimes. And I, I'm wondering, is it a structural thing? Is it a, we don't get it thing? Is it just a season of things where we're just as a congregation and sometimes we're healthier and sometimes we're not? Is it a people thing? Uh, what's your sense of of where the church has struggled in this and where have you seen it work really well? Where we mm-hmm. step in with people uh, dealing with loneliness and creating a space for lonely people. I think we do it well when there's just some natural connections with people. Like for our school, there are some of our families in school that connections just naturally happen, friendships happen. Mm. Uh, you know, our kids are playing basketball together or you know, they're they're involved in something together, and we bump into each other all the time, or or we we volunteer together, you know, and and when it's when it's just kind of accidental, those I think those are the people that go, you know, God's church is a marvelous, friendly place because I've got these friends. Where I think we fail is to recognize that for an awful lot of people. That doesn't happen just accidentally. Uh, and part of our culture change that we're trying to to develop is, first of all, in service, getting the work done is really not that important. <laughs> it sounds right. awful. But, right. but, but what's really important is that we develop friendships and relationships. The people are more important than the task. And just, for example, in our, it's become part of our DNA, I think, here at St. Paul's, that when you start a meeting, you, you always have a check-in. What's, what's happening in everybody's life? Because you you are more important than the task that we have in front of us. Uh, so I think trying to build that structure in, uh, and then, you know, small groups. I mean, it, we are so busy you know, we're so busy that we can't even spend time with our friends, you know, the, from six hours down to two. Um, and I guess it, it's probably just like so many things, the the solution uh, is just hard for us to accept. The solution is I have to make this a priority. Uh, and people go, no, I'm just too busy, and that just makes things worse. So I, I think when we do it accidentally, you know, just naturally, man, the church can be a, a marvelous, warm place. But there's an awful lot of people that we have to be much more intentional about how we connect with them because those natural connections aren't happening, and especially now when we are so separated. I mean. You know, we're we're a church of 166 years old. Back in the day, everybody farmed next to each other, and they went to the same general store. and And the only mm. people they married were their neighbors' daughters and sons, <laughs> because that's the only people they knew. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> exaggerating a little bit, but there's a lot of intermarriage in our congregation. Um, where now it's like you, you can go a whole week. And not see anybody that you know 
you know, in your everyday life, you, you are all alone. Boy, we, we got to help people. Yeah. You know, Paul, we've been talking about, um, at, you know, within our church, um, and I know this is talked about. It's interesting to see some of the history of this, of no, we shouldn't do small groups because of the X, Y, and Z, or no, we really need to do small groups because of whatever, whatever. I think that um, the marriage to me came, Pete, when when you really kind of identified, ooh, there's this functional family. Uh, somebody had said to me the reality that um, I'm probably closer with a number of people that I do life with on a weekly basis than I am with my own siblings because I don't do anything with them anymore. They're all in different locations. And so I'm actually closer to these people. And now if I got into a car accident, it would be my closest group of friends that I'm doing life with. that's going to show up at my hospital bed. My family will get there, but the first ones that are going to do something to jump in. So Paul, when you think about uh, small groups, what excites you about uh, a, what could be possible and maybe marry it to that idea that 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 functional family uh, you've been doing a lot of work to begin this process to do it better than we've ever done it at St. Paul's and kind of curious to see what you think about small groups and the functional family yeah well i you know the the idea of just connecting with people you know to 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 grow closer to one another and foster relationships it, it it's a it's a big step because you're that that vulnerability that you mentioned earlier that intimacy is it's not natural you know to step out into somebody else's space yeah. it's not group. natural but would you guys agree that it's something that's really really wanted oh for sure yeah the desire for the yeah. connection yeah. is is i think it's always present but the the step to take, you know, I, I I guess the biggest picture I see in this is Peter. You know, Jesus is walking across the water, and he says, "You know, come on out. That's fine." You know, and Peter's, "Oh, great, great." You know, like the first step is easy, and then all of a sudden you start to recognize, "Whoa, this is a big, deep lake with big waves, and I'm going to drown real quick." You know, and he sinks, and you know that's the the fear idea of. It, you know, it's just not easy, but the, 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 the goal of it is, is to, to make it, you know, the, the, the groups, a place where, you know, if we could use this term, like straight out of the Bible, you know, the communities that God, he was the center of what they were doing and saying and thinking and everything was going well. They honored him with the way they talked, with the way they worked together. And the relationships were strong because they were strong with the Lord. And, you know, that's the kind of space that I envision the small groups being, you know, so everybody comes into church, but it's hard because we're, we're all worshiping together and we're focused on, you know, our eyes are up to God and listening to, to the pastors preach. And we, we gain the wisdom here back from him, but there's not a lot of space for, those intimate conversations to happen, you know, where we get to dig into life together. And so, you know, that's my hope is that these are the, 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 the fear factor can be removed of stepping into it. And, you know, Pete, you had mentioned this, the priority of it, you know, honoring the, the expectation from God that this is who he calls us to be. And, and, you know, people get to see that and, 
experience it and we get to share it with one another so much so that boy could you imagine every sunday you're being invited into 10 small groups you know as you walk out the door come join our group we'd love that you know like that's that's the kind of idea that i that i see where it's you know like you said mike the the people you're doing life with are are you almost establish better relation your deeper relationships than even with your natural family because of you know the separation. You know the you the unity you find in in God. So, you guys are so I'm excited. Wise I'm excited for. <laughs> you guys are so wise because Solomon said in one of the proverbs, "Better a friend nearby than a brother far away." So <laughs> you guys, you guys are right on Solomon's. You know, <laughs> kudos. Wow, that's funny, Pete. You know, I'm thinking, you know, priority is you guys were talking, I just kind of wrote this down that priority equals it's a combination of intentionality and commitment. Um, I'm going to ask you, Pete, just let's be blunt. Um, what does it take for me to change a priority? If 58% of the general population is lonely and 78% of Gen Z, which, by the way, for those of you who are like, well, I don't know what that is. Um, what's it's basically you're talking 24, 25 ish down to about 15, 14 ish. That generation is lonely at an epidemic level. If that's a major deal, and six hours time with friend down to two, how do you change a priority? As a, and I'm thinking as a Christian, you know, again, I, I can't speak to the rest of the world, but if God is saying, I built you for this, but I've gone and made a whole bunch of decisions and commitments that are now taking me away from this and creating and and quite frankly, reinforcing a lonely culture in America and in my community and maybe in my family. Pete, as a Christian, how do we change priority, intentionality and commitment? How do we do that? I'm going to start with the gospel. That's a good place to start. Brothers, yeah. Brothers and sisters, take the pressure off. You are a forgiven child of God. You know, and, and I think especially about my brothers and sisters in Christ who are not people persons. There's three people people here. Right. Uh, what about the introvert? Man, that is so hard. Mm -hmm. So let's just celebrate that we are God's forgiven children. This isn't about guilting us into doing something. It's, it's I've experienced this marvelous gift of God. And how best can I share the comfort that I have received with somebody else? And, uh, you know, maybe if you're a, a you know, a, a strong introvert, maybe, maybe the answer is, uh, you know, a, a, a small group with 12 people. Uh, how about a small group of two or three of us? Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, that that take the pressure off. Just, Lord, there are people out there that are lonely, you know, and, and you're called me to serve. Give me wisdom how best to serve. And then making things a priority, I think, is just saying, OK, what's one easy step? You know, again, at the Global Leadership Summit, we talked about uh, one of the speakers talked about forming habits and. Uh, you know, forming habits by just making one little small step and just keep on doing that. So maybe the first step is uh, just praying every day, Lord, um, how do you want me to connect with somebody? Uh, you know, and then you keep 
praying, you know, maybe you guys have a better first step, but you know, don't think, Oh, I've got to jump into a small group with 12 people and we're going to meet every week and we're going to pour out our deepest, darkest secrets. Right. Um, you know, small groups can get to that. Yeah. I would say many don't, mm-hmm. uh, many are just more supportive. Uh, and then you pour out your deepest, darkest secrets to one friend that you find in the group. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's true. But, uh, yeah. Remember you're forgiven. This isn't about guilting us into something. It's just saying, oh, I've been so blessed. Um, open my eyes, Holy Spirit, to how I can share that comfort with somebody else. And, and, and I'll just be honest. I'm a people person, but I go home and I just, I don't want to talk with anybody. Uh, I don't want to go out before small group. I hardly ever want to go to small group. Mm-hmm. After I'm done with small group, I'm really glad I went. Yep. But it's, you know, it's just another thing to do. Mm-hmm. You know? And and I think that's part of it is just recognizing you're not the only one. We all have struggles that way. Cut yourself some slack. You said something that I thought was I kind of wrote down, you know, I'm I'm always kind of interested in how the relationship between things. So if priority is a combination of intentionality and commitment, when you add those two, another thing is it's a gospel journey. And I, I was reading actually in, in Luke, you know, Jesus, the whole, you know, uh, he's, he's washing the disciples feet and Peter's like, dude, don't do this. I, you don't, you shouldn't do this. And Jesus is like, if you, if, if I don't wash you, you have no part in me. And there's this picture of, um, I don't want to be served. I'm a little bit more comfortable serving you. And yet Jesus is like, you need to be comfortable with letting other people serve you. Um, the three-year-old that says, I do it, mommy. Um, I do it, daddy. Uh, when we clearly need help. <laughs> um, I, yeah, but the, 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 the beauty of a, of a, of a relationship is one in which you have a chance to serve, but you also are humble enough to be served. Um, and I like One of the greatest gifts you can give to somebody is to allow them to serve you. That's, uh, that's, that's a mindset shift that, that is, I, I have struggled to claim because I don't want to bother anybody. Yep. Uh, but truly it's, you are, uh, you know, if, if I share with you a, a struggle that I have and I invite you to help me in some way. Uh, and it can be, you know, this is true, just even the the, the littlest things. Uh, you know, would you open the, hold the door open for me? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I need help. And the person who helps is honored that you, you asked him or asked her. Yeah. We're going to wind down here. I'm going to give the, the last word to Paul. Um we're talking kind of more functional family uh, on this one. Next next episode, we're going to talk a little bit more about, um, you know, the biological family, particularly moms and dads' families. Um, but for, for today, you know, for the, the people who are single, um, the people who um, are no longer married, the people who uh, don't have children, uh, what is the value, Paul, 
of being a part of that small group? Why is it worth somebody's priority and intentionality and commitment, would you say? Well, I I, th- I think first and foremost, it's just to have a a connection, you know, an opportunity to hear, an opportunity to share, you know, just the idea of being able to, you know, God, God hardwired us for community. And so it can be, you know, you're out, out in life, you're, it's, it's hard to establish meaningful relationships, you know, Mm -hmm. but, um, you know, the hope is, is that within the context of the community at St. Paul's, right, that there's a, a unity there for everybody, you know, that, that I hope everybody would find and that, you know, whether you're single or whether you're older in life or married and or not married, you know, or your, your family, that, you know, finding groups that are homogenous, you know, where you have some commonality with people, you know, is the, just that connection is is something that I think, you know, is, I, I would say, crucial for everybody, you know, and it it it, it helps to provide direction, foundation, hope, you know. Mm-hmm. And and the you you had mentioned this earlier about the the younger people that you're working with you know just that idea to be known right yeah. Some, sometimes feeling God knowing us can be a we we don't always feel it and it can be hard you know mm-hmm. and to to have somebody actually look at you and say you're precious you're loved you know I'm so glad you're my friend can really get us through tremendous you know, struggles or opposition, whatever we might be facing. But, you know, that's my hope is that everybody, and with such a big population that we could find a place for everybody to go, you know? Um, yeah. So, you know, that's my hope is that everybody would, would this, this would create some of that, that prioritized space, if mm. you will, mm-hmm. um, you know, for, for healthy, positive, connections to be made yeah with with christ at the center so that's that's the hope you know it wouldn't be just exclusive to one tiny little group right um but that everybody would be welcome and we want everybody to be a part of it we're going to be um heading into this week for those of you who are listening the week that this is released um we're going to be heading into a four-week message series on the family church and we're going through the book of ephesians uh, five and six in particular. And um, uh, here at St. Paul's in the bridge, you can listen to our other podcast. If you're uh, traveling, um, that's uh, the closer to Christ podcast, if you're looking for it. Um, but uh, this is where we're going to begin is that uh, we're, we're called into the relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's really the start and the foundation of it. So this weekend, we'll be talking about that. Uh, I hope that that this at least and for all of you who are listening in, that this might give you some pause to think, um, what does Christian community look like in my life? And do I have a few people that when the hard day comes, um, I have a place to be intimate with other people? Uh, I get to share the real me. Uh, and if I don't have that, that I'm intentional about uh, maybe praying for God to do that. Maybe that's the first step, especially for those of you who are the introverts, <laughs> uh, all of us extroverts, you know, maybe you want 12, but I got to tell you, you can only have uh, an actual vulnerable relationship with so many people that's authentic. So maybe some of us need to be careful about that too. In any case, 
Um, small groups is in, in functional family. This is something that we pray that we might be a part of here in the church as we go from something really big, like you said, Paul, that worships a God, which is awesome, but doesn't have always the chance to process it together, that this would be a place for us to go. So be praying about how God can invite you to either lead or be part of serving or being served, an opportunity for others to serve. Um, that would be a good place to start. Uh, we're going to talk next week with these two guys um, about the fa- the family church from the biological standpoint and the importance for moms and dads. And what does that look like? And I hope that you'll join us next week on great questions, great conversations. I'm Mike Westendorf, and we'll see you next week. Thank you.